0: So, sit back, relax,
1: and enjoy. So, welcome to episode number nine, everybody. Uh, On the line now, we have myself, Ryan Bryan, and Sean Daler, who is going to be the talk of the town tonight regarding the UTMB this year. So, welcome, everybody. Hello. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh, perfect. (laughs) So, Sean, We all know about it because we follow it crazily but why don't you give us a little rundown about the whole trip out there i know it wasn't just a race it was also a trip and a vacation and a sightseeing tour yeah this is awesome so thanks guys for taking the time and i'm happy to share and talk more after this too but this is it's an experience like none other for me um been in the ultra running community since 2011 but you know we've all done different things and it's great to share the experience so Kind of a few things, just kind of the logistics of the race, first international race I, I've ever done, uh, the po- pre-post-race experience, kind of my thoughts during the race on the, the experience itself, and then what I learned. You know, I made a bunch of mistakes, and that's it's one of the things I was probably the most disappointed when I when I did um, Umstead down in North Carolina. Everything went so well, I almost, almost was a little bummed because I didn't learn anything. This one I learned a lot um so from a logistics perspective i you know i was i had a lot of anxiety about going to france going internationally a lot of the races we drove to so you get to bring all the stuff so packing all the stuff that you need i know you guys have traveled to other races so i think you probably had more experience doing that than i did but the race itself where it is chamonix is awesome such an awesome town it was pretty easy to get to um it was like an hour and a half drive from the airport you get in there we we rented a condo that was maybe 15 minute walk from downtown which i probably would rent something closer to downtown but i wouldn't want to be right downtown because one, what we learned is there's races going on from monday all the way through sunday and people are finishing basically around the clock so the downtown area there's a loudspeaker and someone on the mic pretty much the whole time so i don't know like that i think that would screw up your sleeping so i wouldn't get that close but i'd like to be a little bit closer um, the town it's it's one of the best world skiing resorts in in the world um, the Mont Blanc is unbelievable you sit there it doesn't look real like we, we pulled in there I'm like oh, it looks like a painting so we rolled up and you know checked in got to the got our all set up that way logistically good 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 everything good I would say the pre-race this the company that runs this they they're can you guys hear me? Yep. 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 Your... I'm getting a weird error. We still hear you.
0: Wait. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I'll pipe in, Chamonix did look like like a painting in the pictures we saw. <laughs> I know. <laughs> look
1: gorgeous. All right, he just got kicked out, so I'll add him again. We can keep going. Oh, all right, okay. I'm back. Can you guys right, hear me? There you are. We got you. Yeah. All of a sudden, I look down, I'm like my phone says you're trying to connect. That's odd. Um, <laughs> so I would say where it is is cool. I, I, would, it's, it's where ultra running is cool. It's the Tour de France of ultra running. It's unbelievable. Everybody, all the towns around there. So I'll get to the race experience itself, running through all the other towns. But it, it's all about the races that are going on. And I would go, I'd go earlier. I'd spend the whole week there and then stay later. Uh, just cool town. Great bars, great restaurants, great stores. Everyone's so nice. Like, I didn't know how the kind of the vibe was going to be. But you've got some people from 70 countries around the world. Everybody's super nice. Super cool to hang out with everyone, meet people from everywhere. I would say, from a race organization's perspective, I think when I got disconnected, I was saying, it's amazing when you think about some of the races we go to and how small they are and kind of the cluster it can be. And these things, they have over 10,000 runners throughout the week, plus the crew, plus the family, plus family, uh, plus uh, um, all the fans and everything else. And it runs clockwork. It's amazing <laughs> how they organize everything. Like, and they are very disciplined about it too. Like I had anxiety around what to pack in the bag. They're very strict about what you need to have in your, in your kit. And it's a lot. I had to carry, I think I weighed my bag. I think it was 20, 22 pounds or something like that. When I, mm-hmm. I had everything in there, like with, it was I, a little bit on that with all the water, everything I had to have, it was a lot. And like, ah, <laughs> uh, like that was, we'll get to what I learned of like training wise, but they, they put the fear of God into you. you have to literally bring your pack there and they pull it all apart. And then you have to prove that you have the right things that I, I was missing one of the things I'm like, oh my God, it was like this stupid bowl because, then when you go in there, if you want soup, you have to bring your own bowl for soup. I'm like, I've never eaten soup in a race before ever. Like you can't not let me run this because of soup. Like, and luckily the, the person I had totally understood. She goes, it's okay. You just have to sign off and say that you'll get it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll go get it. It's fine. Like, I don't need my soup bowl. It's fine. Um, so that part of it, getting your number, all that stuff, it's just kind of cool. Every experience is different. The expo there, it's, if you've been to any of the major marathons, which I know some of you guys have, like it's, bigger it's like that they had so many vendors so many vendors which was super cool to go around you get all the latest gear to check out all that stuff and if mark if mark joins like mark and have totally got sucked in they end up buying stuff from solomon whatever like this just it's like it's there you get all geeked up you're like oh i want this i need this how have i lived my whole life without having this like that stuff just happens um so all that stuff w- wicked cool
2: Hey Sean, what did, what were the requirements? What did they make you have, other than like the bowl and like water?
1: Yeah, let me. Uh, I'll try to go from memory. But the big things was typically like a, like a Bigfoot. You had to have a rain rain kit, basically rain pants, yeah. rain shirt, rain jacket. That's fine. You had to have that. But then they required another second layer of, and just that you had to have tights or some sort of pants to put on under your rain pants, and another third layer shirt or second layer shirt, long sleeve like wool shirt. And if it's a cold year, they require you to have a fleece or a down jacket with you as well. Um, you had to have gloves. You had to have a sun visor. You had to have a winter cap. You had to have um, – what was the other stuff they they had in there? It all added up. You had to carry enough food, enough uh, X number of calories. You had to have at least – I think it was 50, 50 milliliters of water uh, – 500 milliliters of water with you to so basically um, – the in the in the back 1.5 liters or and mm-hmm. or uh, bottles with you um you had to have your cell phone you had to have your passport you had to have your uh, passport space- <laughs> yeah because it, technically you go through three countries it goes from oh, France through <laughs> Italy through Switzerland back to France but it's That's all funny. in the EU so technically you don't need it they really require it because if something was to you, if you get airlifted out if you're unconscious they need to know who you are So it's more Uh, for identification than it was. There were really no border crossings because it's all European borders are all open. Um, mm -hmm. So you throw in all that stuff and you had to have, it was funny in the hot year, they require you to have eye protection. You had to have glasses like, and I'm like, I'm not going to, I've never run with glasses. So some of the stuff, it was kind of like frustrating to carry stuff that I knew I've never used and didn't plan on using, but it's one of the things that the weather there, I caught a perfect weather year. Usually it's horrible. And it literally is life or death at the summit. we'll get into the race experience, but of all the major summits, there was a medical tent at the top and they were ready for an airlift for anybody. Like it mm-hmm. was like, cause at that point, if you have elevation, uh, any issues up there, uh, if you have um, hyperthermia, like they need to get your safety and you can't get down on your own. So it, there's very much a, a big danger part of it. And that's why they require more gear. And I was, I was interested to see if they were actually to do it, but they do. Before you go in for the second night, that that aid station you get to, they have a required gear check where you have to take off your pack, take out. And they don't ask for everything, but they make sure you have your jacket. They make sure you have a couple of the things they had on the list that you had to then. So there you are thinking like you've been running for 20 whatever hours and now you have to dismantle your pack and show them that you have the right stuff. Yeah. It's like wow. a little like frustrating, but I get it because you're heading into that second night. Now you are. You're tired, everything else. And that's where things can get crazy. Couldn't you just show them your spreadsheet with all the check marks on there? <laughs> I, 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 I wish you could have, because it would have been much easier. <laughs> did,
2: uh, the, did, did the altitude get to you when you guys first got there?
1: No, it, it, we stayed. So, at the start, is at 1,000 feet above sea level. So, it's not oh, the okay. same as being home. Oh. And the race only gets up to 8,000 feet, which oh, okay. is, is high. It, you know, it's, but it's eight to 9,000 is really the difference, the breaking point, where it gets really wonky. Last year when yeah. I was out in Colorado, I went up to 13,000 feet. That was – I mean, you guys have been up high. You know, it, it, it really screws with you. 8,000 wasn't bad. So I really wasn't worried about the elevation. Um, but it's the – the weather is totally different at 8,000 feet versus 1,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And you could absolutely – you know, you could be at 60 degrees at 1,000 and be at 30 degrees at 8,000. Yep. Cool. Um. So, yeah, so I'd say from – the race itself. So we talked about the required gear. I would say the start of this race was the most frustrating. And then also the most Epic experience I've ever had. So you're, you're taking 2,500 people and jamming them into when we walked by the start before a couple days before we picked up the bib, I'm like, wait, everyone fits in here. It's just literally downtown. Like it's just a street an open area where, you know, normally you'd see cars and what have you how are we all going to fit? Well, the, the way you all fit is you just jam in there like sardines. It was like wow. cattle and it was raining right before, right, uh, writing at the start. So I threw a poncho on, some people didn't and we we're all standing there and now you picture 2,500 anxious runners and it's raining and everyone's got big packs on and people are just <laughs> shoving. So then we're, I didn't realize we were being held back. So the elite runners, they come out of their nice warm hotel room. They come out and like, right out in the front and then they let us all move forward maybe 50 100 feet or whatever and it was literally pushing and shoving like this is so crazy right now i i like like to be alone like this drive me insane and then they start the pre-race hype and nobody cares anymore like you could be sandwiched in there the music the and they do everything in a couple different languages but english is obviously they they make sure they do that most people know it um so so cool you get so fired up and you realize you're in something really special like they make this feel super special like it's the complete opposite of a tark race where you go like all right we're gonna do the tark howl and everyone's gonna run like this is like you my heart rate just kept climbing before we started but then the start of the race you go off and now you're running through these little french streets 2500 runners it's pushing shoving and that stuff like this is frustrating the crap out of me but finally you get out of town and you get into like this double track kind of jeep road thing and it's okay but these europeans they're known for starting off fast and they did they all started fast like i'm i'm started like maybe middle third ish of the pack and by the time we hit the first aid station i was in like 24 2100th place out of 2500 <laughs> runners i'm like what it's like, why are you all going so fast? We've got 106 <laughs> miles to go. Like, what? And then we get into the first climb, the first climb. So this is the biggest thing that I, I, my biggest learning, I'll tell you guys right now, is I totally underestimated the climbing. This is ridiculous. Like, I don't know why in my head, I thought 100 miles, 30 plus thousand feet of climbing. Okay, that's a lot. I did Bigfoot. It's 44,000 feet of climbing. But that was over double the distance. All and in right. my brain, I just didn't respect that enough these climbs were straight freaking up. Like it was like, Oh my God, the pitch. So Mount Washington is 4,000 feet over 4,000, uh, four miles. So it's about a thousand feet per mile. There's three climbs at the end of this race. And I remember looking at the race profile going, yeah, there's three hills and that's all downhill to the finish. Each of those climbs were the equivalent of doing Mount Washington three times in a row. And Mount Washington uh, is four miles. These were anywhere from one and a half to two and a half miles long. They were literally straight up. I'm like, this is so stupid. So we get into the first conga line. It gets dark. We're going up. And I'm like, okay, well, you are get good spirits at the beginning of the race. Well, so, actually, the first climb was Jeep track. I passed probably five or 600 runners once we hit that first climb. Like, I'm passing people four or five at a whack just across. I'm like, I don't know why you guys are running so hard. The second climb was when it got dark, and it was single track. And you looked up and it was super cool just to see all the, the headlights going up. There was, it was a snake that went up and it was more fun when you get up to turn around and look down to see how far you came. The weirdest part about this race, guys, nobody talked. But I went that the whole night, not a peep, except at the aid stations where I'd see, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. see people. There was one guy, it was Jeff. He, was, he had a USA flag uh, um, bib. And I almost said, hey, Jeff, where are you from? But then I felt like I'm going to break the code of silence. Like nobody's <laughs> talking, if I talk, then is everyone going to get mad at me? It was, wow. it was just like the the quote of water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink people yeah. everywhere and no one talking. I've that's never been odd. around so many runners and felt so alone. I'm like this wow. is weird. That's strange. <laughs> really weird. Really weird. That, that's where I had a guy reach out to me from California that wanted to team up. He goes, Hey, you want to, you know, suffer together. And he, he, he's fast. But then he said he was going to do it slow. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I kind of just do my thing. I'm gonna run based on heart rate. Let it, let the chips fall. Um, right. And now I kind of feel like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe having a buddy would have been kind of better. Like <laughs> yeah. it was, it was yeah. pretty solo out there. That was kind of weird. And you kinda, you get stuck in the Conga line, but the climbs were so difficult. I wasn't frustrated with the pace. Like I don't think I would have gone much faster than the Conga line was going. Like I go, yeah. I. It's one of the things I think about. I'm like should I have gone out faster in the start and got ahead of that? But then I'm like, then I don't know, maybe I get dragged along with people going too fast. It was kind of tough to figure that out.
2: Yeah. What was the distance between aid stations, John? Like that first one you hit.
1: Uh, The first one was only like five miles. They have plenty of aid stations. The the mistake that I made was, and one of the learnings I'll get into what I learned is I would have trained on kilometers and meters all, all the months leading up to it because everything is in kilometers and meters. So yeah. it was like, okay, you leave an aid station, next aid station, 13K. So then I am I was constantly doing math. I'm like, all right, so 10K is 6.2. One, carry the one, divide by three. Oh God, what, how far is it? And then I'm thinking I'm like, all right, so it's like seven miles, whatever. Like I've got two water bottles, that's enough. I ran out of water three times and I ran out of, ran out of food two times. Because oh. I just, in my brain, I was thinking, okay, six, seven miles, but I forgot about the 3500. 3500 foot climb between me and the next aid station which is going to add another hour plus like crap and it wasn't like running out like oh my god I'm, I'm totally like out it was the holy crap i have to ration this bottle now i don't I, i'm not drinking as much as i normally would drink because now i'm afraid of running out and by the yep. time i got to the aid station i'm like yep i haven't eaten anything in an hour i'm basically out of water this is so stupid you're an idiot and i don't know how it happened more than once like after the first time it happened like why would you correct that like you're so stupid um, so
0: isn't
1: it, easy. Um oh it, <laughs> it totally you guys know when you're out there your brain goes crazy so what else do you have to think about you're just doing math constantly <laughs> i'm like how much further and of course your gps is always off like it's never completely accurate so i'm like i don't know how far i have to go to the next stage this is so frustrating yeah yeah but i would now, say what are, sorry, you, what are you what are you eating out there i know you you're a big gel guy and what, do you, what else do you eat while you're out there yeah, I I still I was I carried basically just goose. and yeah. that's where I screwed up again. That when I didn't see Evie and the crew until like mile forty or something like that, because the first night I told them that's oh that's the other thing six o'clock uh, start at night. Crap. Yeah.
0: We've got you. Yep. <laughs> Gone again.
2: He lives in the woods.
0: Hey, that, that's odd not to have anyone talk during a, during a whole race like that, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yep. Well, I guess if you're an antisocial person, it's probably perfect.
0: <laughs> I, I to, maybe no one thought they – maybe it's just a, a language barrier, too.
2: Yeah.
1: We'll see if he pops back in. If not, I'll invite him all right i'm, I'm back again I, I can't, uh, yeah i disconnected from my wi-fi i don't know if someone with my wi-fi so just go with the cellular um so the six o'clock at night start is is different i it ended up um it's great for the first night but then you get into night two and it's um i was up for basically by the end of the race i was up for 45 hour, 45 hours straight and yeah. typically, I usually do a lot of goos. But if I'm going longer than that, I'll try to fix in food. And the aid stations were totally different this way. This is what I was worried about as well. Literally, they had sparkling water and and <laughs> cheese. They had cheese and sparkling water at the aid stations. There's yeah. options. Like, I'm going, I want water. They want sparkling. Or regular. I'm like, who wants, who wants carbonated water, like, during a race? This is stupid. Come on, man.
2: You're in France. Perrier so out there, like, man.
1: I'll take some vino, but... Water. I water uh, so they, they, they didn't have they french saw.
2: fries <laughs> no, oh, man. no
1: no no frites no frites. Uh so i struggled at the aid stations a little bit just trying to find like i would grab a croissant or something like that because i i misestimated so the night start led to me telling the crew i said go to dinner sleep i don't need you for the first 50k anyway like don't right. stay up tonight because then you're going to be luggage for the rest of the race I'm like just get a normal night's sleep get up, meet me tomorrow, and by the time I saw him at the first time, I had missed, again, the kilometers versus miles, whatever, screwed up, I had run out of goose, so I was kind of just trying to figure it out at the aid station, of looking around, like, what can I eat, so I started eating chocolate to supplement for the caffeine, and um, some of the stuff there, but it was not like, not that they had some normal stuff, but then it was not like what we're used to here in the U.S., like I said, like, it was more like, it was finer food i'm like why do you guys have such fancy food like this is like you're in france this is crazy yeah like escargot yeah like this is not stuff like, so i'm a very boring eater anyway and then you put me in the middle of a race saying try something different I'm like no nope, no nope, no nope, no nope, not doing that
0: wow no salami and boiled eggs and
1: um i don't they might have had some some spicy meats for you Brian. I yeah. think you, you might have liked the meat selection. I did. I steered away from the meats. Ah, uh, good protein. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's some baguettes. Man, you'll be all right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It definitely hit the, I hit the bread for the, for the calories from the bread, the carbs. I, I did that. But otherwise I tried to keep it pretty conservative at the, at the aid stations and the aid stations in the beginning, um, stressful because there's so many people, but then yeah. as it thins out, the race spreads out, it wasn't that bad. So you come in in the, in the aid stations they got smaller and smaller as you went along because they were so big in the beginning. Cause they had to handle, like, think about it. The first aid station, they're going to have hundreds of runners at the same time. Yeah. And then the, the yeah, the, the, major one in the middle, um, Comayer was huge. It was literally at like a gymnasium or something like that. And you came in and they separated. And this is where we screwed up where, where your crew is is on the left side of the gymnasium, excuse me, and the runners only are on the right side. And I, I walked in with Evie. So they, they waved us in. We go in and we're like halfway through to getting everything ready, doing stuff. And a woman comes over and literally starts like giving Evie the business. She's like, you, you can't be here. This is runners only. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the middle of changing all my pack and everything else. So she has to leave. So then I'm, I'm finish up everything on my own. And that was again where I screwed up. I didn't grab enough goose because it was kind of a panic situation. And what I didn't realize is all I had to do was grab everything and just walk over to the other side of the gymnasium. What they oh. meant was she couldn't be there. But I could be where I where I wanted, and like oh. oh, this is so stupid. Yeah. Um, so we were a little bit like, because they make a big deal out of like disqualification stuff. Like they're looking for a reason to DQ you. I'm like really, like you know, if you start with polls, you have to keep your polls. Yeah. If your crew meets you anywhere other than an aid station that is not an approved crew meeting aid station, you're DQ. Like they're they are very strict on the rules. Like I'm not competing for the win. I'm not the droid you're looking for. It's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to survive here. <laughs> um so let's see. uh I talked about the start of the race, the climb, the beginning, the sun comes up, this course is absolute majestic guys. Oh, yeah. I, this is so worth doing. They have a bunch of races throughout the week and they're all amazing views, but this, you know, UTMB goes all the way around Mont Blanc. Uh the CCC goes around most of it. Um there's all but it's it's like the stuff you read about you the whole time you're looking and you have to be careful because as we all know, as trail runners, you have to look down, not, not around, but you look around and you take a second and it, none of it looks real. And Mont Blanc is 16,000 feet. I think it's, it's the tallest mountain in Western Europe. It's, it's super freaking cool. Um, uh, that keeps you motivated throughout the climbs absolutely kicked my ass. So didn't train hard enough for the climbs. And as such, I've never seen so much carnage on a race course in my entire life. Literally, I saw so many people, guys, passed out, like just done on the side of the trail, just <laughs> laying anywhere. I'm like, whoa, what? And I'm thinking, this is a qualifying race. You have to qualify to get in the lottery, but you can earn points at races that are not mountain races. So they had a, a 42% dropout rate.
0: Wow, which is
1: or 30, uh, 30 uh, yeah, 60. 68% of people have finished so 32% dropped out which I thought I'm like are you kidding me for a race that you need experience to get into but the thing is just like me you didn't have to do a mountain race to get in no. and I think it just literally trashed people I'm like I couldn't believe it and this was, just, I mean I'm always you know I consider myself like just keep moving guy just always keep moving I had to stop and sit more times than I've ever done in a race like I, I'm like, I just need a minute but like mentally, physically. Like I, I just, I just need a minute. I just need to stare at the ground for a minute and then I'll get up and keep going. But for right now, this climb has got, he, the climbs won, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pout for a little bit and I'm going to get up, put my big boy pants on and keep going. But it. it was, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. These climbs were relentless. Every time you started going up, you started to get a little depressed. Cause you're like, Oh God, smell the mountain. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, all right. So the let's so made it through the day into the second night. I mean, after you hit that second night, that's when the hallucinations kicked in. I found for myself basically somewhere now, and I feel like I don't know, Brian. I'd be interested for your perspective as well. And you guys, I now I never hallucinated before Bigfoot, but now that I have, I feel like it happens more easily. <laughs> and the second night it was like, okay, here I am by myself again, like running with a bunch of foreigners in the dark and you start to see stuff and like, I yeah, get a little wigged out, but kind of keep going. But I don't know. Have you guys experienced the same thing? Like I, I never had an issue with it, but then now it's has happened. And like now it just shit appears out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> I, I find around 30 hours. It starts to uh, kick in. Um, yeah. And generally with a, with a race like you did, you're you going through your second night. It, 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 that's tough. You know, that that second night is is real bad.
1: It is, right? That's the, the interesting thing is the nice thing is the, having the first night being fresh. Yeah. But, you know, then you get into the next night. and I, I mean, amongst friends here, like, I, I was, went into it with not necessarily a time goal perspe- specifically, but I thought, like, ah, maybe I'll finish around 30 hours, 30, 32 hours. So when I was falling way behind that pace, I'm like, I'm going to have to run through this whole night. Like, I'm going to be out here all night versus finishing at midnight. Right. You know, midnight felt a lot better because I was only going in the darkness for three hours versus <laughs> yeah. going through another full night. Right. And you're right, about thirty hours, things get wonky. Yep. And I, and people, maybe the people passed on the side of the trail had some some strategy to it. Like there's sleep deprivation. Like there's a point where I maybe I would have been better off just laying down for twenty minutes, taking a quick power nap, and going. Yes. But I just. It, because the distance-wise between me and the finish didn't sound that far off in my head that I just wanted to keep going. I'm like, all right, I'm within 25 miles. Like, I'll just keep going. But your pace slows down because you're just sleepwalking. You're a zombie.
0: You're a zombie, And you had US three Mount Washingtons in front of you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. When I figured that out, I was like, it's the first one. And I go, I've got two more of these. I'm like, I've made such a big mistake. This is horrible.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, Podrick's a big napper. He, he's a good guy to talk to you about that. He likes to throw in, like, a 45-minute nap in, in those races.
1: I think there's something to it, honestly. Like, yeah. if your pace is prob- it's probably probably going to be a formula, right? If your pace, your goal pace is X, and you fall behind it by Y, and you say, okay, if I take a 20, 30-minute nap, divide that by the pace that I'm going now, it may be worth it. Yeah. Because if you're able to go from 20 minute pace down to 15 minute pace, you go, OK, well, then that's going to say it could really pick up a lot of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but it's it's a tough decision to make because it's just you're always fearful. Like you lay down, like, are you going to be out for four hours? And then if you get up, like, how are you going to feel when you get up? Like, did you yeah. sleep through the race? Like what happened?
0: Right. right. Uh, I think you you really just have to look at it while you're at the race. Sometimes you are tired. Sometimes you're not tired. And uh, you, you've got to make that decision on the fly, you know, and say, hey, I, I need to close my eyes for a couple of minutes. And then you, you're up and you're, you're totally revived. To, you know, five minutes will bring you around. It's, it's really crazy.
1: Yeah, it's that mental reset, Brian. Yeah. I agree. Because yeah. I, I, physically, physically, you're not doing anything. Your body cannot heal in 5, 20, 45, even two hours. Nope. I think it's the mental reset. Yes. It's that your, your brain is constantly going. Your brain needs to break. It's not your body your body's already trashed.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree. Hmm.
1: So let's see what I I learned. I gave you guys some of them like uh, totally underestimated this race. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like such an ego asshole like to think like, all right, this is gonna be fine. Like, I'm gonna go out there and do this. It's one of the world's hardest because it's one of the world's hardest. It sounds (laughs) so stupid. Like, how did I not realize this going out there? And it was so much harder than I expected it to be. Which is awesome because, Brian, you and I, and Brian, we've talked about this. Like, you want to do the stuff that scares the crap out of you. Because if you're not scared, you're not going to train. It's not that exciting. And now knowing what I I went through, to go back and do it again, I'd be more excited because I know how hard it is. Right. So, absolutely, I would have trained harder. I would have gone out. I did Mount Washington. I did uh, up and down twice in Mount Washington. Mark joined me for the second one. I would literally do that probably back-to-back days and probably consider doing – doing it more than once and probably three times like mimic that finish those three times in a row. Try to do that as like a peak training. Like that's the last thing. Cause that would give you the confidence and also truly the experience. Like you have to be tired going up those climbs yes. and that's still not even the same pitch, but it gives you at least the closest thing we can get here in the Northeast. Um, Sounds like to me, you're going back. Oh, a hundred percent. I told, I told my, I told the whole crew. I'm like, I'm, I want to do this one again. It's not rare. It's rare for me mentally to want to do that because there's so many races out there. Yeah. Like I, I, I get all horned up. Like you guys do, you get on, you know, ultra sign up. It's like, here are all your options. And then to go repeat one feels like it's almost a waste. But this one, like, I, I felt like I made so many mistakes and I learned so much and the experience there, guys, I can't undersell it. Like, I'd love to be there just for the week. Like if someone else goes, I consider going just to like hang out for the week. It's okay. where ultra running is cool. people know about it it's awesome like (laughs) this is so freaking cool like so i want to go for the experience but also because i know i left a lot out there like i could do better like running out of water is such a bush league rule bush league thing and not training hard enough was that was just in a that was stupid absolutely stupid then I, i i would also i would kind of mimic that start so I lost time being stuck back in the log jam. So I, I've never done this. I, I typically end up, I always start off slower and then just chip away throughout the race. Right. But I think for this one, it is one there I'm like, all right, throw your full pack on, get used to try to run fast for four miles and then do a climb. So almost like go to Mount Washington and run a four miler first, then do Mount Washington. Okay, just to get used to that start mentally, be able to control your fitness and just be like, okay, I've got this. I'm not throwing away my race in the first four miles, but to be able to just get away from a lot of the back of the pack. Right. Um, I think that would help. Because the climbs, you get in the conga line, but the people that are a mile ahead in the conga line are a mile ahead. And then when they hit the descent, they're way ahead.
0: Um, you you don't train... feel, you don't feel it equalized somewhere around the 50k, 50 mile mark? Because it's spread out so I, I
1: feel like it... It did, to a point, Brian. I, I feel like I did catch back up. Like, I don't think I lost that much on the start. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things, I think, from a frustration point in the beginning. Like, if I could have just run a faster pace, and, and now knowing it, too, maybe I wouldn't care. Maybe I'd be fine going out with thousandths and then just working my way by, way up again, knowing what I have ahead of me. Right. Knowing, knowing everything now, that's another reason why to do it again. Like, I, I was completely blind. Like, I looked at the elevation profile, but clearly didn't analyze – the meters versus feet very well so <laughs> now after seeing it i feel a lot better like yeah so i yeah i don't think the jackrabbit start is critical to a good finish because right. finishing is the most important part right. i mean i couldn't believe it i had 2,500 people maybe my percentage dropped 2,500 a thousand dropped there was 1,500 that finished
0: right that's crazy so so that's what i'm thinking is when you're in that area where it starts to clear out with the runners you're still in good shape. You're able to pick up the pace at that point and go along knowing the, the course. You're going to know when to run and when not to run.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. And honestly, when we got to that, that last climb, and I, so those three climbs, the first two, I climbed great going up. And on the descent, my feet were trashed. The quads are trashed. So I was just being a baby. Just wasn't moving well going down. And I had about 25, 30 people that were passing me on the descents. Yeah. both times in a row i was just a turnstile we go over the summit and literally people just flying by me i'm like what the this sucks yeah so then the last climb i literally took two rock at the bottom of the climb like i'm crushing this i'm so done we're like within 10 miles to finish i don't give an s. so i'm I, I power up the climb nobody passes me up the climb we summit we're going down i think two two people passed me on the descent i'm going at this point, I don't care if I rip my quads away from my, my damn bones. I am going as fast as I can down this. Descend yeah. down. like, and So that the last those 25, 30 people, none of them passed, Like two people passed me. But there were people that should have passed me um, going down the, the last descent. Yeah. So there is that, something to be said of that steady, Eddie, for sure in this race. These races, it's, it's about moving. I mean, oh, that's the other thing. These aid stations, it's yeah, they're Europeans. They're all hanging out. I uh, feel like getting massaged. like I'm like, what are you all doing? Like, call my air. If you look at my stats on call my air, I went in. I think I picked up like 300 spots at call my air. Like, what are you guys doing in here? They're right. eating soup. They're drinking tea. I don't know what they're doing. Like, <laughs> it's an aid station. Come in, leave. Wow. <laughs> Nothing happens fast out there. That's the same thing in the restaurants. Everything is like, they're in no rush. Like, nobody's in a rush out there.
2: Yeah. You know, that's not, that in, a, that not in America anymore.
0: <laughs> that, that was a cool thing about watching you in the races. We could see you coming into the aid stations with all the cameras they had set up. That that was pretty neat.
1: Oh, like I said, first class race director race organization. The fact they have all like that coverage and it actually works. How many races they say have live coverage and it's nothing? Oh like, yeah. no, it doesn't work. They're not only they have live coverage, but they literally have live videos and it works. Yeah. That's super cool. And that, yeah. it makes it great for your crew and for everyone else watching. It, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. You feel like you're there and you're part of it with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, and when you come into the towns, like, or when you come into the aid stations of the towns, like, I know too. Like, I know you guys were watching. Like, I know it so feels like I tried to be positive in front of the camera. There was like one time where someone commented like, yeah, you look like death. I'm like, yeah, I felt like death at that point. I couldn't even <laughs> fake it. I couldn't <laughs> even give a thumbs up. There was nothing. I'm like, I'm out of water. I'm out of food. I hate everyone. Why do I do this? Oh. <laughs> it was totally totally horrible.
0: Oh, that's <laughs> why you put your sunglasses on. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: I, yeah, I, I probably should have. had uh, the expression. But you know what? You guys all would have known anyway. What, what condition I was in. <laughs>
2: Fake it till you make it.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. In the, the first night, it wasn't so much the second night. We didn't really go through <clears throat> any towns. We went through one or something like that. But the first night you go through three towns and because it's we start at six, so it's between six and midnight, excuse me, people were partying. It was awesome. You come in, the energy, music everywhere, kids running along with you, everyone's high fiving you. Well, what's cool is your name's on your bib, so even though you can't speak English, everyone's sharing you on their language like, oh, yo, blah, 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 Sean, I'm like. Like the first time someone said my name, I'm like, who knows me out here? And then I realized I'm like, Oh wait, my name's in my bib, that's why. I got right. it. <laughs> so that that part of it's super rewarding and just super energizing too. Like I said, it's very unique. Very unique. A lot of these mountain ultras, you know, you got two, three hundred people. There's no fan base, there's no nothing. Like there were people that hiked out into the middle of nowhere to cheer you on. I couldn't believe it. That's I'm right. going, wait. You guys are miles from the next aid station and you guys came out here.
2: Wow. Yeah, it's like the like Tour de France.
1: Mm. That's fantastic. Totally. There were there was one aid station I'm blanking on the name of it. The two I'll call them bands but musicians or there were a couple two 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 person sets that walked way out into the woods. And they were basically like a mile apart. So they one went out like a mile, one out like two miles. So you hear music. And at first, it kind of sc- screws you up because you think the aid station's there, but you're really two miles apart, uh. Uh, two miles away from it. <laughs> but the fun side of it is, wow, these people literally thought, like, I'm going to go out and just play music in the middle of the woods to cheer these guys on. Like, that's super cool. Wow. <laughs> that's
2: cool. <laughs> hey, Sean, do your, um, do your points now reset for that race?
1: Yeah. Uh, no, actually, UTMB counts as points. So ah. I think you get six for UTMB. And they lowered huh? the amount of points you need for UTMB. I want to say they, it was 15, and now I think it's down to 12 or 10. But they now – it was three races, but I, I think it's 10, but I think it's over two. Wow. So I think what they realized is, like, for the Vermont 50K, you get two points. Well, that's not going to work anymore because you need – if you need 10 points out of two races, no race gives you eight points. The max you'll get is six which makes sense. I'm like, you need to have like, that's why they have so much carnage there. I think people are going in qualifying with hundred K's and what have you. And like, that is, it's a different beast. Like it's, it's hard. It's really hard. And now hard enough that, like I said, one of the ones that like, I want to go back and try again, you know, Bigfoot I didn't want to go back and try again because I finished <laughs> well. Like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm not going to, if I go back now, I could finish better. I could probably get a better time and finish worse because now there's more competition out there. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm good. Check that box. <laughs> but this one, I'm like, I could do better than that. Like 38 hours. Like was, I'm happy to have finished. I, you guys, I think I've told most of you guys this before. Like I always have three goals. One is get to the start line because you never know, geez, Brian, you rolled your ankle and kept running. But most of us, if my ankle looked like yours did, I probably would have stopped training and I would have been out. So it's getting to the start line, then it's finishing and then finishing well. And finishing well is all relative because based on the course, you, what's going on, it's all your goals. But on this one, because I made so many mistakes, didn't train right, and just learned so much. I'm like, gosh, I, I don't know how much time I could shave off. And who knows? Because I may show up and it could be a cold year and it's totally different. Yeah. Like I literally had the best possible weather year, which is also the thing. I'm like, oh, I had the best weather. <laughs> I could have done better.
2: Yeah. Oh, well. What was the winning time there, Sean?
1: Uh, I want to say 20 two hours or something
0: that's crazy
1: so I yeah basically this one and hard rock i think it's so taking bad water out because it's 135 but for 100 i think these two are kind of argued as like the hardest and hard rock has such a gripe against utmb that they won't give utm you can't hard rock doesn't have utm utmb points
0: wow yeah
1: so it's like it's i don't know if it's like a competition thing of like no i don't want to recognize your race Like, it's interesting. but Hard Rock goes higher, though, and I think that's that's another – that's an X factor. But I think UTMB has the weather factor that you're not necessarily going to get in Colorado. Right. Right. So, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely awesome. If you guys – cost-wise, the race wasn't that expensive to get into, and the house we rented was not – we rented this condo, and I want to say it was like – $1,400 1400 bucks or something, 1500 bucks for a week. Wow. And it slept six of us. And we probably could have fit more. So it wasn't that bad. And had I booked the, our airfare when leave, so good thing leave isn't on, she'll listen to this and she'll, she'll say, yeah, I know, Sean.
2: She oh, we heard be. all about like, this, Sean.
1: Uh, yes. <laughs> if we had booked early, the airfare would have only been like 300 bucks, $350. She would to get off the pot,
2: to- I think was the term she used.
1: <laughs> well... But also my wife was in nursing school and I was waiting to find out. We were waiting for her to find out like, is she going, not going and everything else. So then we up booking everything that she wasn't going. And then turns out she could go. So then I had to spend an absorbent amount of money on her ticket so she could go. But it's all good. Um, It's definitely one of those, like if you do it as a crew, man, it's a lot. It'll be a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I can't. I can't talk it up enough. Like that's how. Like I want to go back. I'm. I'm getting all excited to talking to you guys about. It. I haven't talked about it because you know when you come back, everybody asks about it, and then yeah. it kind of dies down. And you're like, oh, come on, let's do the podcast. I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. This is awesome.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was the? Uh, what was the swag at the end? What'd you get?
1: <laughs> that's the one thing I right, <laughs> I have about this race. What? All all you get is a vest. There's no really? buckle. There's no medal. There's no hand job. There's nothing. You got yeah. a vest. That's <laughs> unbelievable. Great. What? I'm like, I'm like, wait. There's no, no, nothing. Just a vest. Uh, Seriously? Forget. <laughs> it. I'm out. I'm out. What do you want? I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I need a buckle. That's right. <laughs> I can't. I can't get one here. I'm not going there. I'll not get one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't always get a buckle. Wear that vest.
1: <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Wore the vest last week. I, but I, I was kind of surprised about that. I was like. Huh, but I think it's a thing of theirs. I think this is like there's some controversy in the alter running du- race director world. I think and like that's so they're like, eh, no, we're not going to do the, the the buckle. We're not doing it. Um, which is fine. It's all good. Yep.
0: Yep. That's
1: oh, great. awesome. And awesome you and you, Yeah, you can buy a lot. Like I, I bought. Oh, shirts, I'm sure you can. here and stuff like that. Like the expo. Like I said, this is this is. This is a world-class expo too. They're in it to make the money. There's, they're, they make a lot of money off this event, so you could buy plenty of stuff. But then it's always that risk, right? Like how much you're going to spend because the expo closes down the day before the race. Like when it closes down Thursday, it's done. Like that, it, it, it's done because the week's over. Yeah. So if you whatever you wanted, you should have bought it. And then you, it's always that dicey thing of like, do I spend a few hundred dollars on something that? Then, if I don't finish, I have to (laughs) donate to some kids in Africa? Like, I don't know. Like So, it's always like a six and one, half a dozen, the other. Like, uh, but if I do finish, I really want this stuff. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. Hey,
2: what would you use for a pack, Sean, to put all that in? Must not have been your normal pack.
1: Uh, I actually bought the equivalent of my normal one. So, for Bigfoot, I used the Solomon 15 liter. Yep. But what I hated about that pack is it's a unisex. So it was great when it was full, because when it was full, it was tight. But when then all the bladder is empty, it moved more. And at Bigfoot, you know, there was a lot of running in the beginning, but not a lot later on. So I didn't really care. Uh, for this one, I knew there was going to be more running, so I didn't want to use that one. So I bought the new Solomon S-Lab, uh, not an S-Lab, they, they took off the S-Lab label, but the 12 liter which is what I had before, but this one fits way more. They uh, like, they mismeasured, like the old one, if the old one held 12 liter, there's no way it was 12 liter compared to this one. It's super stretchy, fits tons of stuff. And that works great. Lo- it, it was, I was able to fit everything in. It was comfortable the whole way. And now I, I'll use that for some stuff, but otherwise I'll just use, I bought another lighter one that just has the two bottles uh, because it is, it's like you put a lot of stuff and it gets heavy. You know, it depends on the speed of the race. The slower the race, it's more doesn't matter. Um, but it's great pack. Love the pack. <laughs> and Solomon fixed. Some of, a lot of the stuff that was annoying me too, like the zippers that corrode and um, just the having zipper pockets in the back that you can't get to it was just absolutely stupid. <laughs> Um, so they fixed a lot with the pack too. I got all geeked up about that. Every every big race, I justify spending stupid money on things like watches <laughs> and packs. I'm like, oh well, my a race is going on. I'm, I might as well just order up like literally backcountry was delivering stuff to my house like two weeks before the race because I'm like freaking out. I'm like, oh, I need this. I gotta get this. I, whatever,
2: stupid. Huh. What shoes? <laughs> uh,
1: I brought. i run in the Hoka Challengers, and I brought three pairs of them, um, and. I had this is this is funny too, so stupid. I had a couple old pairs that was running in, and I was like my plan was then to open up a new new pair. I bought three pairs for the year and open up the new ones and run like maybe twenty, forty miles in them before the race. and I ran in those and then I went to go grab the old ones to pack them up for the race or get ready. And I realized this I don't know are you guys familiar with the challenges, the stupid lugs start they come off, and I look at them. So I start cutting off some of the lugs. I'm like, all right, these are loose, and these are loose, these are loose. Then I realize I've cut off like half the lugs. Uh, I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'm not going into a mountain race with like sneakers with half tread. So I hopped online, ordered up three new pairs of sneakers, <laughs> literally ran into those. So I literally was like running in brand new sneakers in a race. Like, what do you not do is reuse brand new shit in a race? No, that's yep. what I did. Like, <laughs> totally stupid. But they worked fine. The new challenges, they changed the whole lug pattern. They're much better.
2: Huh. Wow.
0: Well, it all worked out, so that's all, all for the good right.
1: yeah no i'm I'm super happy, great to share with you guys and uh, yeah. i I, I want to go back and I would love it if we all went back together. I'd love the more the merrier I think it's just super cool. I think it's an awesome challenge and um just the just the experience, guys honestly like there, there's that st- like I took a bunch of pictures, and I didn't really post many on Facebook because I looked back at them and look at my phone I don't, it's nothing like being there like no way it looked way better than that like the pictures iphone is a great camera but it's just like nothing it doesn't give you the real depth of what you're there yeah, so you, you oh, can't that's, capture that's, that you can't capture that majestic stuff no on. we tried it. it doesn't work yeah <laughs> you, you just need to see it you and sometimes be not be a millennial and just enjoy it yep. so the uh, there's so much to do there's plenty to do in chamonix one of the most common things to do is you take the gondolas up to the top of the mountains. And on Thursday, we got there, and Evie and my parents and I, we, we took one of the gondolas up to, we were like 6,000 feet, 6,500 feet, and they have restaurants up there. So we ate lunch. It was beautiful. It's like 65 degrees out, 65, 70, and we ate lunch just staring at Mont Blanc. And you have all these paragliders. I don't know where they drop them off. They, they jump off or uh, jump out of a plane or whatever they do, way up over the mountain, and we're sitting there. You just see these colorful parachutes just going by you. And you're just watching. You go, this, this this looks like a movie. Like, there's a reason why they shoot movies there. It's cool. Like, the place is super cool.
2: Oh. Awesome. That's awesome.
1: All right. Well, congrats. Congrats on the finish. Yeah. Thanks. Yes, uh, like I said, would love to share it with all you guys. So if we got to keep going, I mean, you all have earned playing points too. You just get get out there, earn points, and I, I don't to throw in like. They they have the coefficient of two, so that's what's nice about their race versus my nemesis, which is Western States. Um, <laughs> if if you don't get in for two years, as long as you have enough points, you automatic entry for year three. Wow. And I get I got in on year two, so the because they allow in well for UTMB, it's twenty five hundred runners, but if all the other races, there's you know other slots available that don't require as many points that you can get in. Um, I got in year two, I think. It's tough. I looked online to find the stats, and nothing really shows what the stats are. A few It was back in, like, 2015, 16. Someone did the analysis that said it was, like, a 40% chance of getting in in year one. So, therefore, in year two, like, 80%. So, I think that's why they have their, their coefficient. And they had a thing last year where they changed it where you could sell back. They were literally willing to buy your points. You can get credit towards other races by giving up your points because I think they're trying to make it so people can get in. Um, so, it's actually kind of cool that way. Wow. Excellent.
2: Hmm. That's cool. Well, I'll bring up the elephant in the room then, Sean. Western States, you are putting in for it again?
1: Oh, 100%, man. <laughs> so, I, I'll send out the invite. We'll get the Western States lottery party going. We'll drink <laughs> some beer and watch my heart get broken for year number five in a row. Ah. And then figure out what, what qualifier I'm going to run for 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah it, it, it would be great to get in but now it's bittersweet cuz Mark and Lee really want to go and they're going to uh Norway that week that week so they can't go. So they're kind of like half rooting for me to get in, half rooting for <laughs> not to get in, yeah. which I totally understand like cuz we've been through so much together now like I don't know, it would be weird going and not having them there. Yeah. But if I get in, like, you can't defer. That's it. You get one shot. And it's getting so stupid hard to get in. Like this is the race. Like I I get it why Jeremy's like Boycotting it. Like, I, I want to <laughs> just do the experience, but I would just like to run whatever race I want and not have to run a qualifier. Right. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to have like. to talk to Padre. Podrick, I think if I don't get in, I'm, I think I'm leaning towards Bighorn as a qualifier. Let's uh-huh. go out to Wyoming. I've never been to Wyoming and then maybe parlay that into like a Yellowstone trip or something like that. I think it would be awesome. Bring yeah, a jacket. Will. What's that?
2: Bring a jacket. He didn't.
1: <laughs> he didn't bring a jacket, and would it rain? That was oh. the first year.
2: <laughs> yeah, he finished it the next year, but he 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 didn't bring a jacket, and it was like I don't know, 20 degrees at the top of the mountain, and he almost froze to death. Oh
1: my god! I was gonna ping him. I'm like, if I if I go for him, I'm gonna ping him and ask for his his insights. But clearly, I know bring a jacket is one of them.
2: Yeah, he said it was a gnarly course, and he, he liked it though. But he uh, yeah. he said it was challenging. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's hard. it's get 20 plus thousand feet of climbing. I mean, it's a it's a mountain race. And for me, like I'm not like chasing 50 marathons, 50 states, but I wouldn't mind doing a race in every state. So Wyoming seems like a good reason to go out there. Yeah. Why not? The buckle's sure. cool. Buc- the buckle's cool. wicked cool. Oh, yeah. see this right? UTMB you didn't give me a buckle. So next year I want a cool buckle. Whether it's <laughs> Western states or Bighorn, I'm getting a cool buckle. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's cool. <laughs>
1: All right, congratulations. We'll we're getting under an hour, just under an hour, so we'll wrap it. Uh, cool, awesome. Congrats! Thanks for coming on and sharing it with us. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. Thanks, it. boys. I promise I'll, I'll get out there to a waterworks run at some point. Yeah, miss yeah, you guys. yeah. I've, We haven't sure caught up in a while. Yeah, sure you <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's tough to find I'm us there. Normal. We're only we're only there every Sunday morning. I mean, it's tough to find I, us. <laughs> I know, I suck. I suck. <laughs> what can I do? As long well as you know. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, boys. Appreciate it. All right, You're thanks.
2: a thing Deep in my heart, I warrior. Can't get for the Good night, guys. Bye. 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 come Bye. back next
0: month for our next episode. Until then.